in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. According to the Las Vegas Journal Review, the Oakland A's, if they were to move and relocate to Las Vegas, could play at Las Vegas Ballpark temporarily. Um, Ed, what do you think ticket prices would look like if the A's were playing their first season in Vegas at Las Vegas Ballpark? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ed, are you muted? I can see on the thing, Ed Graney has muted. I got a feeling that they'd be pretty reasonable, Tyler. (laughs) uh, Up in Oakland, they're like very reasonable, but they're only drawing 5,000 people. Look, uh, this is is good. I mean, you know, again, their A's are coming here next week to to look over Vegas. I I think we were both surprised. Uh, We talked about earlier in the week, I think, where Mick Akers uh, reported Henderson is not involved in that as of yet. I'm shocked at that. Uh, My guess is Deborah March will meet them at the airport and say, no, come look at us too. (laughs) Um, But... It just, again, all this is great. They're all good stories. But if this guy is on the record next week, just tell me what the public contribution is. Now, he's not going to either say that number or, let's be fair to him, I don't even know if he'd know that number because you got to, one, figure out where you're building the ballpark, right? I mean, before you go to that municipality and actually say, well, this is what we'd want. But that's the only thing I want to know long term. I mean, it's all these stories are great. And I think you know, maybe baseball people are excited. Tell me how much it's costing. Yeah, it's it's the most important question because if if there's no public money for the A's, there's no reason for them to come here. Like there, there's just no not at all because no. like you're a bigger media market in the Bay Area, and Major League Baseball makes a ton of money off their individual television deals. They're going to get more money being in the Bay Area than here. So there's no reason unless somebody here forks over seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars in public money, and then okay. We can build a new stadium and we'll take that free money. It's the most important question. Um, and you're right. Until somebody answers that, it's it feels like leverage play. What just fell? Did your entire hotel room fall down, Ed? No, a couple things fell off the desk. Not good right there. That wasn't good. <laughs> wasn't good. The Las Vegas Hello. Journal Review. <laughs> the Summer League will return to Vegas August 8th through the 17th. Um, Sam Gordon reported that first yesterday. Uh, I mean, we'll be at 100% capacity. I I think it's a no-brainer to bring it back. I will make I will give you this optimistic prediction, Ed. The NBA will announce expansion when the summer league is here in Vegas. And the great thing is, a week before that, when their big announcement is, Bill Foley will tell us he's bringing the team. <laughs> well, I'm not supposed to say anything, guys, but a week from now they might be announcing that I've added a third team to go along with the Knights and the indoor football team. Nobody knows or cares about. <laughs> I will say the only thing I would dislike about Bill Foley owning the NBA team is that if they would be named the Knights, some sort of Knights. Well, uh, we're talking about, okay, let's say expansion happens and Vegas gets it. And I assume, I, I I don't know, I just think that Foley's, if there's ever a new team coming, I just assume Foley's bringing it. I think he's probably bringing the A's also. But let's assume like he's involved. And that wouldn't shock you, obviously, because of T-Mobile and you know he's so entrenched there. If Bill Foley brings an expansion team here, wouldn't like our first question be like, what's with the football team? Why'd you do that? One? Like, like, why weren't you just focused on the basketball? Like, well, why did you have, why do you have the football team? He's cause he had to have more events at that 
Henderson events center. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, he had to get more events there so that, you know, it's not just empty except when his hockey team plays. Because what other events are they getting there? Not many. Would it be, like, the name of the team is going to be Vegas Knights with, with an N instead of a K, right? And then you make the logo the skyline? No, because he doesn't. He doesn't want it to be confused for the play on words that would be Vegas Knights. He wants you to know he's talking about knights in armor. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Corey Kluber <laughs> through the sixth no hitter of the season last night. Seven, if you count Madison Bumgarner's seven inning no hitter. Uh, the Rangers, Mariners, and Indians have all been no hit twice. Which there's been a lot of talk about there's too many no hitters and they changed the balls and nobody's hitting anything. I think we might just have a problem with three really bad teams and not well, really a major league wide problem. I want to ask you this because I thought this was interesting. Clayton Kershaw told the athletic, whatever the intention was with the ball, it hasn't really done anything. I appreciate the attempt that major league baseball tried to do. I think it seems like it missed the mark to have this happen every night. It seems like it's probably not good for the game. Is that interesting, given one of the greatest pitchers ever is kind of saying it's not good if we keep doing this? I, it sounds like he's jealous he hasn't thrown one this year. Maybe, but it. it I, I mean, I, I didn't think a pitcher would say that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get where, like, anybody, even if you're a pitcher, would say, hey, you know, we've changed the game because of the baseball, but, eh, I don't really care that much. Like, I, I don't have a problem with more no-hitters. Like I like. Oh no, me, I don't. No, that doesn't. Who cares? I don't care. I enjoy yeah. them. Like, cause I will. Oh, there's a no hitter. I'll find it and watch the last six outs of the game if they yeah. can get there. So like, I, I don't have a problem with more no hitters at all. Like, e- even if there's like two a week for the rest of the season, I don't have a big problem with it. I also don't think we're gonna continue to see you know one every week of the season like we have so far, or like this week where right. we've had two. Like, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think they're going to slow down. Now I say that and. The Mariners and Rangers simply can't hit. So maybe it will keep happening to those two, but I don't think we're going to continue to see this ridiculous of a rate. We'll probably have, you know, three or four more throughout the course of the season, but not to the point where we're talking about like 20. Like, what did that? We're on pace for like, what, 20 something right now? Or maybe yeah, even more yeah. than that? Like, I don't think we'll have that many, but we'll probably get up into double digits. What do you think? Fernando Tatis. In his return from the COVID list was four for four with a home run, two doubles, and a single. Are the Dodgers still in third in the NL West, Ed? Uh, let's see. It's May 20th, so I don't look at standings, but if I had to. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, they're two out. Big series starting tomorrow night in San Francisco. Let's see if the Giants are for real. Oh. Big series tomorrow night. Are you nervous about it? Yeah. I, I'm a little nervous the Giants are for real because I know the Padres are. So... You know, battling two teams is, is worse than one, my friend. So I'm a kind of here's. I thought Buster Posey like was like 66. He might be the MVP. Like, where did that guy come from? He's been like hurt for several years. Now he's like tearing it up. So uh, yeah, I I gotta be honest. With you. I know it's May 20th, but the Giants kind of seem for real, which shocks me. You got to get in a division like the AL West, where the third best team is the Mariners, who can't hit above yes. 200 as a team. Yeah, it's just it's just a better way of doing things. I mean, I know you have the Rockies over there too, but you know. Oh, how bad are they? That's the other thing. Thanks for cleaning up on them, Tatis. Play a team. <laughs> oh wait, wait, one just, more, I mean, one more update. Isn't Cody Bellinger going to AAA? 
Oh, did he finally did he finally stop jogging around the field? I is thought, he actually gonna take some is he actually gonna take some hacks against some pitchers? Well I don't know, he might just be going to jog at, at AAA now instead of the Well. <laughs> he might have lost his job, Pujols, with another hit last night. Oh, lost his job to Pujols. <laughs> Jeez, please, by God. What Pujols has what, two hits in like five games now and you're giving it away. Uh, he also got hit by a pitch, he, which is another thing. We talked about no hitters. How many guys are getting hit by pitches yeah, this year? A lot. So, yeah, uh, Zach McKinstry and Cody Bellinger are going to AAA Oklahoma City oh, for the wow. over the weekend for a rehab well, maybe assignment. Maybe Cody can find his way back on Southwest. Don't send the, don't send the plane for him. Jesus. <laughs> Next question. Tim Tebow has signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are the chances you think he actually ends up making the team? I think weirdly better than not. Um, we've talked about this. I'm in the like I'm in the opposite camp of a lot of a lot of people. I don't care. I don't care one way or the other about Tebow. I've never gotten caught up in like why people hate him. I don't really care. Uh, but obviously there is a somewhat a, a large affection and love from Urban Meyer for him uh, because they've been to you know Florida and all that. So I'd have to think just because of the coach. Well, obviously because of the coach. Because if it wasn't the coach, he wouldn't have been signed by anybody. So. I, he's probably got a shot, probably better than most people think and would imagine he would. I think he's going to make it. We have talked yeah. about the Jaguars' tight ends. It's it's not like he's got to beat out Darren Waller, right? It's like, I think he's going to make the team. I really think he's going to make the team because Urban Meyer loves him and he doesn't have great competition to beat out. And here's the thing. It's not like Tim Tebow is, like, unathletic. Like, Tim no. Tebow is athletic. It's just... He can't play quarterback, and he can't play baseball, so now he's trying something else he can do. Like, it's not like they're giving a tryout to somebody who can't play the sport. He just hasn't played tight end before. I think he's going to make the team. I honestly think they're going to put him on the team, and he might, not, he might not ever play actual tight end snaps, except for, like, on weird red zone plays where they want to force the ball to him. But I think he's going to make the team, and he might be running down on special teams trying to tackle somebody. But I think he's going to no, make think it. He, I think he probably makes it. And again... I guess good for him. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't really care. I mean, actually, I kind of hope he makes it because it'd be great to watch. I mean, I don't want him to get cut. Why wouldn't we want to watch that? Man, you know, that's a great question. All right, hold on. I want to get to this one first. The Pacers and Wizards play for the eighth seed in the East tonight. The Pacers scored 144 points against the Hornets two nights ago, and the Wizards gave up 50 to Jason Tatum in a loss to Boston. Um, so we had last night's great game of Lakers and Warriors. How many people are actually watching Pacers and Wizards tonight? Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I think some are definitely in those two states. Uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, look, I mean, I'm I, this one is like Steph for me. Like, obviously, you want the Wizards to go on just because of Russ, and you want to see players like that. So, and usually when a team scores 144, they won't do that back to back. So. Uh, I'll take the Wizards, and I hope the Wizards advance. I Well, I'll be ready for the hockey game or watch the hockey game, so I will not be watching this. My favorite headline was, Group of randos score 444 points in professional game. <laughs> Whose headline was that? From the defector. Oh, but okay. it still made me like... I mean, it was Doug McDermott had 14 points in the first five minutes, <laughs> and O'Shea Brissett led <laughs> the Pacers in scoring, and they scored 144 points. It's like one. It was one of like the best offensive games of the season for any NBA team, and they did it in this weird play-in thing with O'Shea Brissett scoring a ton of points. Great question, thank you. 
SEC schools got $23 million this week from the conference. A one-time payment that the conference is trying to help the schools uh, make up for pandemic-related lost revenue. Uh, the SEC apparently took some of this money out of like future TV earnings or their television deal. Uh, but how nice is it to be in a conference that can just say, yeah, here's $23 million because, you know, it's been hard for you recently. It sort of trumped the Mountain West gift cards to like Subway sandwiches and stuff that maybe the Mountain West got. And if this, I mean, look, we could give you, we could do an entire three-hour show on the haves and have-nots and the differences between power fives. It goes back to uh, what I've always said that when when I think I think Marshall won the soccer championship this year yeah. or this year a couple yeah. weeks ago. Like when any non-power five wins anything, people don't realize it's like one of the greatest wins ever. Like I don't think they get. The facility and not the, just the support that power fives get. So this is just another example of that. And here's the thing with the SEC: you don't even compare them to non-power fives. Compare them to like what the Pac-12 right. would be able yes. to send out. This this is like I mean, a this is a like just one time. Hey, yeah. you've had it rough. Here's twenty three million dollars. Yeah, the Pac-12 media rights is like thirty million. Like this, what yeah, the Pac-12 over. schools get every year is thirty million, and yeah. the SEC just gave that out because their schools had a rough year. Like. It's unbelievable oh. how much farther ahead they and the Big yeah. Ten are from the rest of the conferences. That yeah. it's, I mean, it's a power two, a kind of powerful three, and then yes. everybody else. That's kind of where we are at this point. So it's it's unreal what the SEC is able to do and how much money they have to throw around. I mean, what's it going to take? UNLV, it's going to take them, what, five years to match that in television rights deal? Because they're getting, what, oh. five, five or six million now in the new deal? Um, so, yeah, it's going to, like... The SEC just said, yeah, it's Wednesday. Here's some money, and it's going to take UNLV like half a decade to get there. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders and uh, go back to the draft. Was Alex Leatherwood actually going to get stolen from the Raiders in the first round? Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. With the 17th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Alex Leatherwood. Tackle. Alabama. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. That was mean, Jared. That was rude to Alex Leatherwood. We're probably going to be even more rude, though. So the Raiders drafted Alex Leatherwood. In the first round with the 17th overall pick as an offensive tackle. He was not viewed as a first round pick by anybody or at least most people. Uh, He was more than likely going to be selected in the second round. At least that's what people thought. And the Raiders picked him. Now, since that pick, since the first round, there have been reports that the Baltimore Ravens were interested, that the Baltimore Ravens liked Alex Leatherwood, that the Ravens would have taken Alex Leatherwood. The Ravens were picking 27 and 31. So the idea, which I have said many times of, hey, you don't have to take Alex Leatherwood in the first round if you want Alex Leatherwood. Just wait, and he'll probably be there in the second round. The idea is the Ravens could have drafted him, and no, you couldn't have gotten Alex Leatherwood in the second round. Well, 
Peter King earlier this week, uh, he wrote that the Raiders shouldn't have been afraid of the Ravens sniping Alex Leatherwood from them because the Ravens had a third round grade on Alex Leatherwood. So uh, should we believe this? And do you think it means anything as far as the Raiders uh, drafting and value they get out of first round picks? I, the, the easy answer is nobody knows. We don't know. We don't know if the Ravens really had it. What happens situation here is the you know the Raiders can float that uh, they know a team had him as a first rounder, get it out to Baltimore. Baltimore can come back and tell Peter King, well, that's not right because they they want to save face on a kid who might not work out, who went in the first round, not meet people I high draft uh, uh, on the high draft board. So I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is this is a game that goes back and forth that happens all the time in sports. Peter King obviously talks to every team. They tell him what they want out there, and the guy's the Raider, and I think the Raiders hope that he plays like a first-round pick. But if you told me the Ravens had a high draft uh, board on him or if you told me they had him as a third-round pick, I'll flip a coin. I have absolutely no idea. Nobody does, and they're not, and no one's going to say anything. Anyway, they, they go to King to get out what they want their narrative to be. What I do find the most interesting about this is that the Raiders might have had a chance to trade back with Minnesota because Mike Mayock even said that they had a trade offer. He didn't say which team. And Minnesota is a team that also was talking about trying to trade up. They wanted to trade up and ended up taking an offensive tackle. Like the stories met up very well without anybody explicitly saying Minnesota tried to trade up. The stories and the descriptions met up very well to imply Minnesota tried to trade up to 17. The Vikings were picking at 23. So had the Raiders taken that trade and fallen back to 23, they still would have been picking ahead of the Ravens. So if you're the Raiders and you're worried the Ravens are going to steal Alex Leatherwood from you, you can trade from 17 back to 23 and the Ravens are still behind you. Like you're still not in danger of losing the player to Baltimore. So I know Mike Mayock said it wasn't a great offer they got for the 17th pick uh, when somebody tried to trade up with them, but it just still seems like even if you were afraid of Baltimore taking him, he they weren't going to be able to take him, and the Raiders missed out on adding more assets that they could have had with their first-round pick. Well, yeah, I mean, that's in that scenario, it's about trading. I get that if they, in fact, thought Baltimore was the team. Um I find it interesting, again, that this far after the draft that King, and obviously it came from Baltimore, it was his source, that they had him as a third-round pick because for whatever reason they don't want to be painted in a picture that they thought he was a first-round player, even though maybe they did. But you're right in terms of they could have traded back if, in fact, they thought Baltimore was the team. So I'll definitely uh, agree with that. I just, I mean, again, with these drafts and these grades and who thinks what and who's on whose board, it only takes one team. That's the big cliche. You know, you could have 30 who didn't like him and two who did, and it's the Raiders and Ravens. We don't know. Um, but there's certainly an argument to be made. If you thought Baltimore was the team, you could have traded back and still gotten the kid. That That's totally open for debate and, and opinion. Um, it's just that, you know, these – the King reports, you know, obviously he's completely dialed in. But when I saw that the other day, I sort of laughed because you knew where the report was coming from. You knew who told him, though, that we had a third-round grade on it. Um, the kid, the, you know, he has a chance to prove himself. He's, I think he's going to start at right tackle. So we'll know, I guess, pretty fast, you know, who messed up. The other part on the Ravens and being worried that they were going to take uh, Alex Leatherwood is that the Ravens, they had a hole at tackle before the draft. 
but they filled it with Alejandro Villanueva after the draft, and that had been reported before the draft. Like, that was sort right. of widely assumed that they were going to sign Alejandro Villanueva, and then the Ravens did not take a tackle in the draft. So I'm right. still not understanding exactly why anybody was afraid the Ravens were going to take Alex Leatherwood because they had their offensive line plan ready to go. But, yeah, it seems... We're May 20th. We're a ways away from the draft. I just still enjoy that the draft stories keep coming up about yeah, who they, had I who mean, where. It's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's futile, but it's also fascinating to me, the yeah. idea of, because, listen, one of the Raiders' biggest problems when they're drafting is they don't tend to understand league-wide value, and that's why every year we're talking about did the Raiders reach on another player in the first round. That's been one of their biggest problems is they don't understand league-wide value, but these types of stories where the Raiders are worried about uh, the Ravens taking Alex Leatherwood and the Raiders had an tra- opportunity to trade back, it implies that they actually know something. They have some inkling of league-wide value, and they still make these reaches over and over. It's yeah. just it's That's what's fascinating to me is that's been their biggest problem, but these stories sort of indicate that they do have an idea of what other teams are thinking and still manage to make the same mistakes every year. Yeah, I mean, they, they look, there's when you're evaluating the Raiders and the drafts under Gruden and Mayock, obviously more misses than hits right now. So they kind of have lost the benefit of the doubt uh, when they do these things if the perception is not many people had the guy graded as a first-rounder. Now, again, he can prove everyone wrong and be great, and we're going to look back a year or two and say, you know what, he's a first-round pick. He has first-round talent. But the benefit of the doubt is gone for them until some of these guys that they're picking out, Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett, uh, Henry Ruggs, you know, begin to play where their draft p- position put them, and so far they haven't. Of all the players you just mentioned, Ruggs, Arnett, Abram, Alex Leatherwood, throw him in there. A lot of these picks that haven't actually played well. Which one is like most important to have a good season next year? Next year? Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess given who they signed and drafted. Maybe it's Ruggs. I mean, Arnett, they, they've drafted guys who can play in front of Arnett. I, you know, maybe it's Abram. I mean, again, they have Trayvon Mooring, who's probably going to be the free safety. I guess it depends, you know, in this Gus Bradley system where all these guys are going to play and what their roles are going to be. But can you really pick Ruggs as high as you did when there are all those other receivers not only went after him but had better seasons? Can he have another bad season? I yeah. mean, he was, boy, was he picked 12th overall? Yeah. So I mean, he can't be bad again. I think you take like Jonathan Abram. If Abram is bad again, they actually have Carl Joseph this year. Not that Joseph right. is great, but they do have a guy that can take his spot. Damon Arnett might get beat out by Casey Hayward in the offseason and might not even be starting. So I don't think it's either one of those two that have to have a good year. To me, I think it's either Ruggs or Leatherwood because they, they blew up the offensive line. They drafted Leatherwood in the first round like – they need to have a competent offensive line. But I, I think you are ultimately right that it's Henry Ruggs because you made him the first wide receiver taken. Like you look at what rookie wide receivers did last year and you like Justin Jefferson, but even CD lamb and Jerry Judy, like Henry Ruggs was a massive disappointment. And if we're talking about another year where he has like four, 500 yards receiving, and isn't anything special, and it's like Darren Waller, John Brown, and Hunter Renfro all have more receiving yards, then we're looking back saying, wow, they really blew that pick. Like, they needed a deep threat. They took the fast wide receiver, and they really blew it. Well, and it's just going to, like you said, I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, uh, Jerry, Judy, and these guys, Uh, the kid from the Vikings, uh, Jefferson. I mean, if he's bad, 
this is going to be a disaster for them. Not only because he had to be good, but like you said, how everyone else after him was. If they, if none of them had good seasons, like oh, the rookie wide receivers they didn't fit in, but a ton of those guys were good. Like a ton of guys picked beyond the first round, by the way, were really good. He can't be bad again. He's yeah. got to be good this year. All right, coming up next, Darren Millar joins the show. We'll yell at him about hockey. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Nilsey Millard. Darren, is Max Pacioretty playing? We need to know right now. I cannot tell you that because I do not Darren, know that. Darren, is Max Pacioretty on the trip? We need to know right now. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that either. What, not, uh... what good are you? So insider, you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no inside in the playoffs. <laughs> okay. If Max Pacioretty is not playing in Game 3 or even the rest of this series. We saw them try Tomas Nosek. We've seen Alex Tuck there uh, in the last game and a half or so. What do you think the best scenario is? What do you think the best case is for them to uh, play at first line left wing? Should they be prioritizing depth throughout the lineup, or should they be prioritizing, hey, let's make the first line as best as we can make it? I, I thought uh, Alex Tuck and Chandler Stevenson had some chemistry throughout the game, but Chandler Stevenson was going the other night. Uh, even in the in the first period where they were dominated, he had some chances. He had some some rush uh, opportunities, and as the game went on, it was Stevenson and Tuck that uh, that developed uh, a few different uh, opportunities. So I, I would uh, I would be shocked if they didn't go back to that. Uh, the, the not not only the two goals, uh, which. Tuck actually scored with uh, Yanmark on the ice, and uh, and then on the power play uh, against uh, the the regular five on five situation. Uh, the the I I, I would uh, I would go back with that and then see if they, if they can develop and push that a little bit further. Did you or were you? They called up a couple guys yesterday. One being Cody Glass. He he exists. We now know he exists again. Would you think maybe is there any chance you look on the ice tonight and he's actually somewhere in that lineup? Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that's a, a, a strong possibility, but uh, the the way that 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 line works and uh, the the way it goes, uh, yeah. But Cody Glass is more of a center. And, and and not a winger, so that's where I, I kind of leave it uh, to the side and and doubt that it would go there. But he does have some uh, some some real uh, synergy with with Mark Stone, so there's there's a fit on, on that side of it. But uh, uh, if if you're gonna make that change, uh, I still think that, that that Tuck plays on the top line and that Cody Glass would would center down down the uh, down the lineup. Uh, can you give me an explanation for why Ryan Reeves would play nine minutes in a game and over half of those minutes would be against uh, the Joel Erickson Eckline? Uh, that's uh, simply Dean Everson uh, changing lines uh, on the fly and, and uh, manipulating uh, things, uh, uh, doing fast changes. That's exactly what that is. That's not uh, 
that's not uh, Pete DeBoer throwing uh, out uh, his meat grinders uh, against that uh, line. That's just quick changes and, and, and fast uh, switches on the, on the fly. And uh, you'll probably see a lot of that uh, matchup tonight. Uh, whenever they, they send the meat grinders out, you'll see them. Dean Epperson counter with that. Uh, Dean likes the match lines. Uh, he, uh, you'll, you'll see often when the, uh, when the camera is on the, the Minnesota Wild head coach, He's uh, he's looking over and and, uh, and staring over at uh, what Pete DeBoer is, is throwing out there. So he's a real line matchup coach. Some some coaches uh, don't get as caught up in it, but uh, but that's that's the exact reason uh, why why you saw that. So Somebody's they've been done doing a good job over there, eh? What was that, Darren? Somebody's We're... been doing their homework over there. Well, yeah, of course. When, you know, you keep seeing Ryan Reeves in his own zone because the other team keeps scoring. It's like, well, why is their best player on the ice against Ryan Reeves? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Get Mark Stone out there for once against him. They've obviously done a pretty good job, a real good job with Kaprizov. Uh, what have you also, I mean, they come here. It is amazing they haven't won in regulation here, but DeBoer seemed confident yesterday that could change. So, what needs to change? I mean, obviously they need to score, but what about in the other end? What they've done with Kaprizov, they've only scored one goal in two times. Are you more confident that they can come here and get one of these? Yeah, uh, see, I, I take confidence in what they've done. Uh, so the first game this year in, in Minnesota, they got hosed. Uh, like it was uh, uh, just like uh, what you'd expect uh, when you look at the historic uh, record. It was not a good performance. But the second second game, uh, they made a real game of it uh, in the back end of it, and, and that was the Dylan Coughlin night where where he scored the three goals, and and I thought that they t- they took some confidence from that. And when you f- put that forward, uh, you have the six five game where uh, you could say that uh, the goaltending cost them the game, uh, but but they scored five goals in that game. Again, a step forward, and, and then and then a win, uh, Dan. So uh, I think I think they've been building uh, and, and playing really well at XL Energy Center, and then you couple it with uh, with what you've seen in this series, and they've trailed for 18 seconds. Uh, at like uh, it might be the biggest um, uh, uh, difference uh, in in opinion between the stats and and uh, and Tyler's uh, analytics. And and then the, the the reality is that they've only trailed for for 18 seconds in two games. So uh, I, I think people should feel better about this team and about uh, the possibility of going into XL Energy Center and being able to produce a win because of uh, because of how they played. Now goaltending has been spectacular in both games, and and that's the the, the great equalizer, and that's covered up uh, a lot of the. Uh, the, the flaws in the game, but uh, but so far I, I think that, that that there's more reason to feel good about this team and the resiliency of this team uh, to be able to go in there. And then the, the recency bias of of what they did at XL Energy Center, I think you can feel good about the club. Uh, they also they also trailed in the series for approximately 45 hours before Game Two, but that doesn't count in actual in game. In yes. Game. Yes, but in game trailing and leading is irrelevant. Winning or losing games in the series is relevant. That's your opinion, Tyler. <laughs> that's how <laughs> they decide who advances. They're not going to sit that's down your, at the end of the day opinion, and say, "Well, the Golden Knights led for more minutes in the series, even though they lost in seven. So let's advance them." <laughs> you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Winning does not matter. <laughs> 
By the way, the other thing I took from that was uh, Dylan Coughlin should be playing first line left wing tonight. Yes, yes, Dylan Coughlin. I uh, it was funny. I heard a comment the other day that uh, when Dosik left, that uh, that I didn't realize that 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 the uh, that the playing a couple of players short or a player short down the stretch would be good. Uh, Good training for uh, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and make them uh, feel a little bit comfortable. It's uh, yeah, they, and look, you can look at it on either side, and uh, and and you're right. They they did trail for for a game and then uh, two days uh, because of that. But but actual chasing the game and, and in game, uh, they they pretty will. Uh, Kaprizov hasn't scored yet. I I think that's more a factor of Marc-Andre Fleury being brilliant because he had, has, a, has had his looks. Uh, but, uh, but all in all, when you, when you look at it, uh, just, uh, uh, from, from an, uh, in game, in game, uh, it, it, it's been okay. Now tonight with the, with the matchups and Dean Evison, what he's going to be able to do, uh, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, it, you'll probably see, uh, less ice time from that third pair of defensemen because, uh, being uh, putting them out, uh, you're going to see Everson counter with the, with his hot unit. So you'll want Theodore or Petrangelo out there at all times. So it'll be uh, there, there'll be more cat, a lot more cat and mouse tonight. I think on Pete's four side. Man, I did, let's go simple here. This is why uh, uh, we're in this business just to do let's very go. simple statements. But we're go. I was thinking I was talking to Dave Shane the other day, and obviously you know it was only the second period. How like vital just for their mental mental aspect was to score in 18 seconds? Had that thing gone into the third period, one zero? I don't know, Darren. At some point, doesn't it start weighing on minds, and you start getting caught up in, oh, here we go again? Absolutely. Like I, I, I don't believe, uh, and this is where you and I will agree on this. Uh, we, we 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 aren't on the same page with momentum, but. Uh, we certainly are on no. on this side. Uh, what happened eight months ago uh, in the bubble has had no bearing on game number one, zero on game number one. But the longer that goes, uh, and then knowing it's the playoffs, I, I think it does seep into the players' minds. Uh, it certainly went. That's right where the fans went, and you could tell right. being in the right. bu- in the building how tense and uh, and and quiet that environment was. As the game went on, raucous at the start, ready to go at the start, but uh, uh, as as Mark Andre Fleury was forced to make save after save after save uh, in in that first period uh, on on uh, in game number two, the the nervousness of the crowd going like we're not even getting chances, and and our goalies being forced to make these saves, uh, it it became a, a much more tense crowd, a nervous crowd. So uh, I think I think from an environment standpoint, uh, it, it, it was huge for the 18 seconds, and then just to see, and, and not not uh, to have the puck necessarily bounce off three feet and uh, and a shin pad and in, but to score like a, one of those quote, goal scorer goals uh, on Cam Talbot, I, I think that was massive, uh, along with the 18 seconds and being able to score. And then I'll go a step further, Ed, uh, and good point by you, uh, the 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 goal at the end of the game to score on on Cam Talbot and then score right. uh, on the power play that wasn't one of those garbage time goals. That goal goes a long way to know that you scored uh, a legitimate goal and and you 
one by by uh, an insurance marker. Uh, I think that adds to their their confidence. They, they just didn't win by one goal and, and eat one out. Yeah, they eat one out, but uh, but they won by a couple of goals and scored in the power play. I think that fuels the confidence massively. All right, Darren. So look, oh, go wait ahead, a minute. Go what are you what are you saying about Nathan McKinnon's final two goals of the first two games? <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, what he's been able to do, like at the top of the the, you know how far away that that uh, those shots are coming. Like he's at the yeah. top of the blue, he's right at the blue line. Those those shots are a mile away, and he's just zipping them in. And we're used to Nathan McKinnon doing all kinds of things. That was that was uh, that was a different look uh, from him. They'll have to get by without Nazem Kadri for a while, though. All right, look beyond the playoffs for just a minute for me. Mark Andre Fleury, his trade value is actually going to be existent this offseason. You are, why are you going there? What, what, what? <laughs> Have you met uh, Tyler Bischoff? Tyler, this is Darren. Darren, this is Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, so, what, what, let me, let me uh, find a better way to explain that besides just hanging up. Um, uh, the idea that you want to trade Mark Andre Fleury now? Is that is that the the path or you're just thinking because they have two goaltenders with contracts that you want to trade them? Yes, they just lost the division because they had to play with 15 skaters in a game because they couldn't manage the salary cap. It's not good to have 12 million in goaltending. They're going to well, want to it, trade one again. It saved Montreal this year and you you don't uh, you don't even challenge for first uh, overall without your two goaltenders this year. Uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, so you could you could make a case, uh, a strong case that it, it was advantageous uh, for the Golden Knights. Well, good news: Colorado's not going to be in the division next year, so they will win first place <laughs> with you in nets for the entire season. So they don't need both of them. Uh, you would have to score. Um, can they score fifteen goals a game uh, against the teams in the Pacific next year? I think so. Yeah, good point. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Vancouver right now. There's some weird <laughs> winds uh, blowing at that one. Hey, what do you guys think happens tonight? Give me, give me your idea. Wild four to two. Yeah, wild, Ed? wild three to two. Wow, that's uh, well, they've never won like, here in regulation. Why would we? Pick yeah, what are you so surprised about? <laughs> no, yeah, you know, no. That's uh, I was just, 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 just going to say that. Uh, uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility based on the history of it. And, and it's incumbent on the Golden Knights to go out there and change history. That's, that's what they're up against right now. Uh, they have to convince everybody that they can beat this team and, 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 and put together a bit of a run. And, and based on, on the past, they have to go on a historic run against the Minnesota Wild. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, uh, those, are, those are educated uh, guesses. Uh, I don't think you're, you're far... I don't think you're going out to left field on those. All right. I look forward to three months from now when we're breaking down the Marc-Andre Fleury trade. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, do you Thanks, think you enough for him? <laughs> uh, probably not. It'll never be enough for me. <laughs> See you guys. See you. See you All right. There's Darren Millard. No. I mean, we didn't go out in a limb picking the wild. No, I don't think anybody did. I think the only limb is that we predicted there'd be five and six goals in a game when yeah, exactly. neither one of these goalies seemed to give up anything. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say one nothing. Yeah. Don't know which team. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably the best bet. One nothing to somebody. All right, we need a new sharp. Seven zero two three six four eleven hundred is the number. The Lakers won, but not by five and a half. So Fred lost again. 
he's done for. So a new sharp is needed. 702-364-1100. Your chance to make a pick from any game going on today and start your own streak. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Uh, Since Jared is confident that nobody can score, Jared's going to be our sharp today. Uh, And Jared, you are taking the under on the Golden Knights wild game, but we are giving you an alternate line. That is correct. You are not going to get the five and a half that it's sitting at. Um, convince me why I should give you three and a half instead of two and a half. Oh, because eventually I believe it will, if it's not going to be Oh one, it's going to be one, one, and it's going to go to quadruple overtime. All right. Here's what we'll do under two and a half regulation only. Ooh. Okay. I like that. Yep. So, nope, if, so yep. if it goes to overtime one, one, you can't lose, you win the bet. This is a great thing about being poor is, uh, even if I lose, I stay poor. <laughs> Okay, now, in other playoff hockey news, um, the Bruins beat the Capitals last night in Game 3 in overtime. Ed, have you seen the game-winning goal for the Boston Bruins? I did. I I was uh, sitting with David Shane after picking up the airport, and we saw it. And uh, I, I, you know, in the last 24 hours, I've looked up a lot of Russian swear words because I'm pretty much (laughs) sure that's what Ovechkin was yelling at uh, in Russian at his uh, goalie after he snapped his stick in half. Uh, so yeah, I did see it and I'm trying to figure out what Ovechkin was saying. Yeah. So Ilya Samsonov, the goalie for the Capitals, uh, he, a puck gets dumped in behind the net. He skates in behind to play the puck and then just decides to leave it there and leaves the puck there. Bruins pick it up, wrap around and put it into the net before Samsonov can actually get back to his crease to defend a shot. It is one of the worst goaltending plays you will oh. see. And I just would like to imagine the Golden Knights losing a game because Flurry or Leonard did that and the response. Oh, okay. I don't want to imagine Flurry just for the hilarity of it. Let's imagine Leonard because oh. Oh. if that happened oh. on a day where it was 50 50, whether you play the flower or the panda and you go with the panda and the panda does that. Oh, man, would that be incredible? The the response, Twitter would break, obviously. It would completely break. And we could just sit back and watch the carnage. I mean, you really don't think if you put out a tweet right after that and go, man, Flurry really messed up that one, you don't think you'd be seeing carnage in your mentions? Like, you don't think, oh, he got screened. He can't do everything. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So here's, here's your scenario, Ed. The Golden Knights lose tonight 4-2. to two. Flurry doesn't have a great game. So Leonard gets the start in Game 4, and that's how Game 4 ends in overtime. They go down 3-1 in the series on that play. Can, oh, I just I, I can't even imagine. The only thing I would like more than anything at that point would be, uh, who was that kid that had the translator in Russia? Who was that kid? Not Shippy. Oh, the other uh, Valentin Zikov? 
oh Zika or Goose was it Goose or Zika? Whoever, I think they I want, both. I want, uh, I, yeah, I, I think they both did. Yeah, I just want some Russian screaming on the Golden Knights bench. I don't really care who it is. <laughs> I want some Russian going crazy and breaking his stick. So, and and by the way, we if he was screaming back. at Flurry in Russian, I mean, would that be? I mean, we'd have days of material. Alex Ovechkin breaking his stick on the bench is is phenomenal. Just the ultimate frustration of, oh, that's how we lost the game. I'm sitting here on the bench, and our goalie yeah. just decided, nah, thanks. I don't want to play the puck, and I'm not going to get back to my crease in any hurry whatsoever. I'm Was just going to give him a free the goal. the weirdest thing you saw where he just kind of paused? Yeah, like, it's almost like he went to play the puck. I have to imagine his he thought his defenseman yelled, leave it or something. So he just left it and took his time getting to the net, and they gave up a goal.